All right. Good evening, everyone. So I just want to share this scripture that I read today. 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and verse 7. If you bow low in God's awesome presence, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he always tenderly cares for you. Why don't you guys stand? <clears throat> so, Father, we just leave all of our worries at your feet tonight. God, as you tenderly care for us, and God, we just we want to worship you. We just want to lay everything at your feet tonight, Father. God, we want to leave here different than we came in. And God, we just ask for your presence to fall tonight. Let your fire fall tonight, Father. Burn away all the stuff, God. God, we just want to press into you and worship you in your name. Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus. You're the great shepherd of our souls, King Jesus. Just with your eyes closed, you need to hear tonight that Jesus is here in this room and there's one person on his mind and it's you. Just forget about everyone else in this room. There is one person in this moment right now that he's thinking of, and it is you. It is you. He cares for you. He cares for you. He's called the great shepherd because he cares for his sheep. He heals the brokenhearted. He lifts up the weary. He strengthens the weak and he gives hope to the hopeless. And just when you think you're empty and running on fumes, he comes running in with a double portion. He is that good. I am not exaggerating. You cannot exaggerate the goodness of God. Just try. Lord, you are faithful and you are true. We thank you that you are in this room. How do I know that? Because we're two or more gathered in your name. Your word is not false. Your word is truth. And here you are in our midst among us. So we welcome the manifest presence of Jesus. We welcome you, King Jesus. We choose this day to call you Lord. You are, you are Lord. You are Adonai. You are Master. Our lives no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to you because you purchased us. 
You purchased people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue to become a priest, a kingdom of priests to serve your God and Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your precious blood. Thank you for the power of the cross that came in and set each person in this room free. And it is for freedom's sake that you have been set free. And just when the ropes are right there in front of your feet and you're about to get tangled up in them, he comes in to set you free again. Just when there is a vine wrapping around your foot, your king, your shepherd knows you need him. And he comes in and he breaks the power of that vine. He breaks the hook of the enemy right off and removes the hook. Tonight, I just pray, I, I, I ask that you would open the eyes of your heart to see him, to see him rightly. Just with your eyes closed, just look into his face. He is not far away. He's closer than your skin. He is for you. He is not against you. He began something good inside of your life. And he is faithful. As we've sung, he's faithful and true to continue to complete that work, to bring it to full completion. That the day you take your final breath, you will step through the veil of this world into eternity and you will hear those words, well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you, Jesus. You are true. Thank you, Lord. We're gonna step into a time of communion but before we do that, I just want to take another moment. I want you just to have some time between you and the Lord. I want you to ask him, Lord, is there anyone I need to forgive? Is there anyone I need to forgive? If you're feeling disconnected from the Lord, that is the first place to, to go. Ask him. He will show you. Who do I need to forgive, Lord? Let's just do that now. And you can speak under your breath, Father, I choose to forgive this person. I choose to forgive these people. I choose to forgive those who have offended my heart. And I release that offense to you now. I give it back to you because you took my sin. You took my offenses and you bore them as your own so that I could receive freedom and liberty and holiness and righteousness. So God, we tonight, we choose to release the offense. We release forgiveness and we just send it all to the feet of Jesus now.
We ask you, Lord, would you fill our hearts now with love for those that have offended, those who have hurt. Will you help us to see them the way you see them? Just ask him now, Father God, how do, show me how you see them. If they were standing right in front of you right now, what would you prophesy over them from the heart of Father, from the heart of our God? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. At this time, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, have a couple people help me pass out the communion. If you've never used these to-go cups, they can be a little tricky if you've never used one. Just bend the tab down, and that will break the seal. The cellophane on the top should peel off easily. I always struggle with them. That's why I give this little word of encouragement. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Aren't you so glad that the Lord is, is living inside of you? He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Doesn't matter if you've had a, a really awesome day and worshiping and reading your Bible and praying, or if you had a really bad day and you haven't even given him a moment. He's never going to abandon you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is, we've sung it tonight. He is with you. Father, you're with me. Father, you're for me. I'm never abandoned. And because of that, we don't have to let fear overtake us because he's faithful. He's bigger than anything you and I could ever face. I had no idea that the theme of a lot of the worship tonight was from Psalm 23, but... We're going to just stay in that vein right now because the Lord is our shepherd. This evening before we started the meeting, I had a picture of Jesus with a lamb on his shoulders. I don't believe that's just for one person in this room. Wherever you're at right now with, with your relationship with him, if you feel like you're broken and weak and weary, tired, defeated, self-condemned I've been there it's easy to condemn yourself it's easy to be introspective and beat yourself up for something dumb you've said whatever it is he wants to pick you up right now and he wants to put you on his shoulders he is the good shepherd he is our shepherd we are the sheep of his pasture the flock of his care 
And he has a place for you and me to see from. You could think of it as up on his shoulders with him carrying you. The Bible says that we have been seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. This week I had that picture and I, I took a prophetic act and I pulled myself up out of under my weight of heaviness and I lifted myself up and I sat myself down next to the Lord and I felt the presence of the Lord moving just from that simple movement of, of a prophetic act. So just even now as you hold the body of Jesus, just pull yourself up onto his shoulders. He's not going to push you away. He's not going to take his shepherd's rod and, and knock you off to the side. That would be a bad shepherd. He's not the bad shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Hold the bread in your hand right now. Psalm 23. Yahweh is my best friend. Just say, Jesus, you are my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. You offer a resting place for me in your luxurious love. <laughs> your tracks take me to an oasis of peace near the quiet brook of bliss. That's where you restore and revive my life. You open before me the right path and lead me along in your footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to your name. And even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me. Say it again. Say it like you're angry at fear. Fear, you will never conquer me. Fear will never conquer me. For you already have. Thank you, Jesus. Just a little more. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You have become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. Jesus is your delicious feast. That's, that's not to be weird. You're holding in your hand the body of Jesus. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and you will have life in you. Jesus, you are the delicious feast. You are life. You are the bread of life. And we take this bread now and we receive you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Now hold the blood, this cup of his blood the blood of the new covenant that was poured out for us to remove our sins. And just declare this with me. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you. 
until my cup overflows. So why would I fear the future? Only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what your blood has done for us. Thank you for all of the promises in your word, all of the promises of God. They are yes and amen to us. Because of your blood, because of your great love for us, we drink this cup now. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to invite any of the team to come up if you have a prophetic word, something the Lord was speaking to you. I shared what I saw. The great shepherd, he's here. He is, he is here. He is with you. Thank you, Lord. Tonight during worship, I just kept seeing, you know, how when the big fireworks go off and then the gold sparkles just come down. And I just saw that tonight and I just felt like that was the Lord's love. He just wants us to soak in His love tonight. Just soak in that tonight. Father, we just thank you, God. We thank you that you love us so much, Father, and God, that you never leave us alone. You never abandon us. God, we thank you. Your love is so beautiful and glorious. We thank you, Father. I'm safe. So I want to say happy birthday, Jean. I know, 90. Jean, can you stretch your hands out towards all of us and just release the gift of life that you carry into each one of us that we would all be so blessed, that we would all get to enjoy a long life and fruitfulness and good health and that we would prosper in every step we take. Thank you, Lord. So, Gene, the Lord was showing me that you're like the tree in Psalms 1, that you are like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So the Lord has even more that you can press into him for that you've been asking him there's even more more business opportunities more relationships those things that you've been asking for lord i pray for an increase in clarity an increase in opportunity for him to be a generous 
benefactor into this city and this region in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that your fruit is good. The Lord has blessed your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. The fruit in every season is good. So I just see the Lord blessing your family, but also your businesses, your charitable goodness. And I thank the Lord that you are part of this house, that you're a strong foundation, you're a good foundation, and the fruit is good. So we just, I just wanna honor you. And that's what the Lord was showing me during worship. So we honor you in this house, Jean. And I just pray that, that you are honored in this city for being a watchman hidden. That you have, you've done good work and you have been faithful through the years, through the decades. It's been good. So Lord, we just pray for more peace. And we thank you, Lord, for your abundant joy in this season, Lord God. That as your soul prospers, you will prosper. And that there is more joy coming for you. There is more joy coming in this season. So I just break off every winter, any darkness, and any wilderness seasons that you've been going through, that they're just blowing off right now in the name of Jesus. Those are done. There's a new spring coming for you, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so encouraged because it's only just a little after seven. And I got a banquet feast for us to eat. Well, it's not really me. The Lord has a banquet feast for us tonight. We're gonna we're gonna go there. <laughs> we're gonna go there. We're gonna go here, right here, where his presence is. We're gonna go there into one of my favorite things to just think on, meditate on, to to talk about. You know, we, we call ourselves as a church a people of his presence. You and I were born again. You were born to be saved, okay? He chose you. He, he knew before you said yes to him that he was going to get you. He's going to get you. He was, he was in pursuit before you were even thinking about him. Some of you were born into this, like this guy and this guy. And even when they were infants, the pursuit of heaven was on their lives. But not only were you born to know him and to experience being saved, you were born again to know him intimately and to know his presence. Not just the theology of, yes, the Bible says God is with you. Draw near to him, he will draw near to you. But the word of God leading us into the, the reality that his presence is real. His presence is with us. So this is one of our house cultural themes, I would call it. And there's different ways you could describe it. 
we have kind of like a triad of our top three core beliefs or core values as a house that we value the presence of God above all things. We honor him. We honor one another as the people of God. So we value people being the sons and daughters of God. And we want to flow together as a people who are of the presence, are of valuing one another, where we learn this culture called honor. How we, basically what honor is, which is another kingdom value, it's how to see each other through the eyes of God. It's easy to see each other the way we see each other, right? Like I, I can see what you look like. I kind of know most of you for you know, a pretty good amount of time now, and I know what makes you tick. I know what some of your favorite things are, and I, I know your quirks. You know my quirks, you know, and, and we, we go along to get along, right? <laughs> okay, no one's laughing. <laughs> I go along to get along. I'll let you say it for yourself. But there's something powerful that happens when we learn how to step into our position in Christ, which is a position in his presence where he shows you from heaven's perspective what life looks like, what your sons, your daughters, your friends, your family members, all of the people all around you, when you are allowed by God to see them the way he sees them. So his presence says everything. You want to learn how to prophesy, you want to learn how to hear the voice of God, then all you need to do is learn how to step into his presence. Learn how to uh, practice, how to develop uh, an understanding, an awareness of the presence of God that is already in you and is already all around you, right? Because God is omnipresent. The psalmist wrote, if I go to the highest heights of the heavens or the deepest part of the sea, there you're with me. I, where can I escape your presence, right? So if he's all over the place, if he can see everything, then we, we know he's, he's here right now. But there's something that shifts when your awareness of that kicks in and when your awareness of him living inside of you kicks in. So we're going to step into this core value of valuing his presence, hosting the presence of God. Do you want to be a host for the presence of God? If you said no, sorry if you're a Christian, you're already a host. He came, he, he came in when you said yes to him. He took up residence way back when. So we're going to kick this off with this. I had to trim it down just a little bit. It's a nine-minute sharing, a nine-minute video of Wendy Backlund just sharing her experience with wrapping her mind around the presence of God. And then we're going to go into some teaching after this. I'm Wendy Backlund. Today's lesson, it's on focused on his presence. Um, that's pretty powerful because it's his presence that makes all the difference. That's what people need, an encounter with Jesus. We need an encounter with Jesus. And one of the things I've discovered is that it's not just a theology to be focused on his presence. It's actually, we need to train ourselves to be aware of the unseen realm of his presence with us, in us, and that we are more spirit than flesh. 
you know, because we only can connect with God's spirit to spirit. So the times that we're the most connected are the times when we're most aware of our own spirit connecting to his spirit. And a lot of times we just get caught up in the brain and the body and we're unaware of the unseen realm. And that's when we kind of lose track of, you know, the power, the source of everything. You know, Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above. And we actually need to train our brain to be aware of some things we've never um, been aware of before. I heard a really interesting story. I read a secular book, and it was about a brain scientist who at the age of 35 had a stroke. The name of the book is My Stroke of Insight. And in her book, she describes having a stroke and she completely lost the use of the side of your brain that you need to be a brain scientist. And her mom took her home and decided that she would do the rehabilitation. And in the course of rehabilitating her daughter, the mom discovered that her daughter was only seen one dimensionally. So everything looked like a photograph. And in her book, she said that her sense of dimension was so impaired that she didn't know where she began and ended. And that's pretty serious dimension impairment. So her mom begins to talk to her about dimension, how you can tell some things are further away and some things are closer. And she said, as soon as my brain understood the concept of dimension, I began to see three-dimensionally. When I read that, <clears throat> I realized, you know, I think I've been reading the Bible all wrong. What if the Bible is really just trying to train our brain to understand the concept of another dimension and that if we can get our brain to understand the concept of the dimension of the kingdom, the dimension of God's presence and the spirit realm, then perhaps we would be more aware of it. We would, our brain would be picking up on the angelic, on God's presence when he wasn't there. And so I, I'm really big on, I'm trying to train my brain to understand God's presence is real. God is spirit. Spirit created this realm. So spirit is what actually has the most influence over this realm. And so just becoming aware of his reality was so huge and training my brain to understand and practice his presence. You know, it's going to be hard to find God's presence in the midst of chaos or in an emergency if you haven't been practicing his presence before the chaos. And he is so big, it's not just practicing one aspect of him, it's practicing who he is, I sometimes will practice the peace of his presence before I need peace because it's really hard to find peace in chaos if you're not very familiar with how to get there. So that's what I like to do. And the focus to me starts in my private time because I'm training myself to be so aware during my private time that when I'm out in the world, I notice when he's missing. <laughs> I'm, I know that sounds simple, but it was, it was just revelation for me. So um, Luke 8.10, I'm going to read that scripture. It says that 
to you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So what this is implying is that if you're a Christian, you should be seeing the things of the kingdom. You should be seeing God everywhere you're, you're at. You should be understanding not just the natural realm, but the supernatural realm. It's, you know, funny how we have no problem knowing. We need to know about uh, gravity and how that works so that we don't, you know, just step off a building and die. We have to know um, the consequences of, you know, touching fire, something hot, putting your tongue on a cold, you know, frozen ice cube. We need to know all that. And when we focus on God and his kingdom, then we need to begin to understand how his kingdom works. And in his presence, you know, what are the principles of the kingdom and what draws God to places and to our, our, our lives? So it's very important to make sure that God is our first uh, focus. Um, I get frustrated when I see people go too quickly into ministry. They have a great God encounter and then they try to run out and do ministry without practicing the things of the spirit, without practicing his presence, without experiencing his love. It's one thing to have one experience. It's another to encounter daily his love, his presence, his faithfulness. Um, so there's this focus that we have to put on the more than anything else in my day. It has to be me and Jesus, me and the Father. I have to know him so well that even in the midst of, you know, whatever's going on in my life, I can still be aware of him. I, you know, he's not my last resort you know, oh gosh, you know, I might have to just pray about this now because I've done everything else I know to do. And yes, I've done that, <laughs> like probably most of you. But the point is, is it's not wasted time to be in his presence. When Jesus used to move away from the people and the disciples and he would go up to the mountain to be alone, I really don't think he was up there you know, with a list. Okay, God, I need to know about this. And, you know, what are we going to do tomorrow? I think what he was doing was he was reminding himself who God was and who he was in God. And I, I don't think we have a ministry without that, without being reminded the power of God, the faithfulness of God, the glory of God, and to really see him as a father and not as a theology, but as a real father. You know, I remember asking God, why aren't babies totally depressed? You know, they fail so many times in that first year of life. You know, they're trying to grab things. They can't. They try to talk. They can't. There's all this failure. And God said, um, the reason they're not depressed is because they're so convinced that they can do what their parents do, that failure doesn't move them. And I believe that we need to have our eye on God so that we can know what we're capable of. If we're not seeing Jesus, who, 
and the father, how do we know what we're capable of? You know, I'm not raising the dead yet, but I will because my daddy does. I'm so convinced that I can do what my daddy does. And to be convinced, I have to know what he does. What's his character? What does he like to do? I need to know not just about him, I need to know him. So why do I play a video of a teacher when I'm here to be teaching, pastoring? <clears throat> because Wendy Backland is one of the mothers of our movement that we are connected to. So we place a high value, and I'm not ashamed to pull from the wisdom and the testimony and the years of walking through these things to bring it to us as a family, as a house. I have my own passion, my own take on a lot of the things that she leaned into, but I just want to clarify, you know, we, we put a high value on the leaders of Bethel Church because th this is our stream, and it's not just limited to Bethel. You know, it, it, it's connected in people, other people, other ministries that are in the stream as well. So here we go. Hopefully you pulled some things from that in itself. The thing about becoming aware of seeing something. You guys all probably have experienced this other than the kids where you're shopping for a car, you know, you're looking for that red Volkswagen, probably not, but you know, just, we'll just pick something random. A red Volkswagen, you were looking at them and then all of a sudden that's all you see everywhere. You start seeing them, you're like, ah, oh, there's one there. Or when you're kids and you're playing that, uh, what do they call that? When the one headlight's out and you sock them in the arm if they don't call it first. Uh, some Popeye or something weird like that. Kids do weird stuff, you know. We were all kids, so just admit it. You did weird things too. I'm just saying, you start to focus on a certain thing, and then you start seeing that more. As we focus our attention on the presence of God, you will begin to experience his presence in an increasing measure. For me, honestly, I have no problem experiencing his presence. I can encounter his presence right now. See, when you turn your attention towards the one in the room, I don't want to say elephant in the room. I don't want to be, you know, disrespectful, Lord, but compared to us, you're huge. Bigger than an elephant. More like a dinosaur, but even bigger. You can practice becoming more aware of his presence. Let's look at some scriptures. Oh, I forgot. I had to click it one time to get the angel music to come into the room here. All right. First one, Romans 8, 15 through 16, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. I love that verse because it's telling me that the Holy Spirit that you and I carry around in us, he is bearing witness with your innermost being. He wants you to know 
that you know that you know he is real and alive inside of you. And she mentioned that Colossians 3, verse 2, where Paul says, set your mind on things above. Set your heart on things above. Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. He prayed that God would open the eyes of our hearts to understand and know him better. The eyes of your heart, not your physical eyes. The eyes of your spirit inside of you to, to see him, to know him. And then this other scripture here, just to kind of set the table a little bit more, just to get a perspective. Some of you, this will be very uh, familiar, and maybe some people it won't be that familiar. I don't know. I'll just let you figure it out. If you need it or not, give it your attention. Give it your attention anyway, even if you think you don't need it. That's probably when you need it even more. Okay, so, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have received or have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, a sanctuary. I, I sometimes will try to just bring this idea in that, you know, we call this, we call church buildings, we go into the sanctuary. We go into the church. That's kind of weird language when actually you are the sanctuary, you are the church. You're, are you going into yourself? You're going into a building. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a dwelling place for God himself. Holy Spirit joined to your spirit, becoming one new creation inside of you, born again. Before that happened, you were a walking dead person. When you said, Jesus, come into my life, the seed of God, the Holy Spirit, came into your spirit, and you were birthed into a brand new creature, a brand new creation. I like to use this picture of the temple. Maybe you've never looked at the Hebrew temple. This is Solomon's. It's not the actual temple. No one really knows because there were no cameras at the time that we know of. <laughs> anyway, I won't go there. That could be a rabbit trail rabbit hole, something like that. This is just a, an idea, a depiction of the Hebrew temple. You know, it was full of gold overlaid. Everything was overlaid with gold and, and carvings of angels and all of these, these angelic and heavenly pictures. And it was broken up into these two places. There's no curtain right there between those giant things that look like lions with wings. <clears throat> That's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept in the temple. There was actually a, a thick veil, about a foot and a half thick curtain that was woven together out of purple, red, and white, and I think another color, like scarlet. Well, I said red, but anyway, it was woven together out of all of these, these precious uh, threads, and that is the very veil that was torn in two from top to bottom when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished and the ground shook the earth quaked and the temple veil went is that a nice sound effect <laughs> could do it again if you want so why do i show you a picture of the temple because jesus when he was walking the earth with his with his disciples pointed to this temple and they were talking about his return and the the, the priests and the pharisees the 
the different religious leaders were speaking about the the temple and he's like see all of these stones on this beautiful building not one of them will be left on top of another so he referred to this temple and Paul said that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit that God does not dwell any longer in that physical building if that was the case then that that building's gone so right now it's it's the dome of the of the rock the dome of the, the mosque where Allah is worshipped, and that is not the God of the Bible. I'm just going to be honest and clear in my perfectly biblical opinion (laughs) that Allah and Yahweh are two different beings. Jehovah or Yahweh, he is the creator God. Allah, I'm going to be honest, he's a demon. That is not the God of the Bible. You can argue with me later, get up and walk out, but probably no one in here will do that. If the church, when the church is like 500 people, we'll probably get a couple that'll walk out. Ha! Anyway, okay. So I, I show you this picture of, my dad's shaking his head. I show you this picture of the temple because you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And there are a lot of correlations. This is just one diagram from one author that Tammy and I appreciate this This. Uh, church leader named Watchman Nee wrote some awesome books. One of them called The Spiritual Man. Um, I don't remember what the other one was called. But he talked, oh, the release of the spirit. And he, he drew these wonderful diagrams so that you can you and I could connect a little bit more with the thought and the awareness of God's presence living inside of you as you being a temple. So if you look at the picture on the left side, that's a picture of the tabernacle. Um, don't, you don't need to pay attention to the altar there and the, the laver, but think about the building itself. It has outer courts all around it. It has this place called the holy place, and then through the veil where the ark of, of the testimony was at, the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God would dwell in that room so much to where the priests were only allowed to go through the curtain once a year and only with the blood of a freshly slain lamb on the Day of Atonement, to make atonement, to sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat, which was the lid of the ark, to sprinkle that blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people as an annual reminder of their need for blood to cover them. And that blood never took away their sin. It only pointed to the final sacrifice, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who came to take away our sins with his blood. That is why when he said it is finished on the cross, the veil on the temple tore wide open. Holy Spirit is now dwelling within believers who are temples. So this, the picture on the right, I know we're not spheres walking around. You know, we're, we actually got a shape, arms, legs, head, torso. But th- this is just a diagram, a simple diagram of showing you and me what we consist of. If you go from the inside out, we consist of spirit, soul, and body. We have outer courts like the temple outer courts. We have the holy place, which is kind of like the soul, all your, your mind, all of the things that go on, your affections, your reasoning, your memory, conscience, imagination. That's just kind of your, your soul life, right? You are a living, breathing soul. And then your soul, which is so intimately interwoven with your spirit, is connected to your innermost being. Just like the temple, the holy place had the most holy place, this special place where the presence of God was dwelling. 
and the Holy Spirit comes to your innermost being to live inside of you. So you and I have a holy of holies, a throne of God inside of your innermost being. You know, recently someone was teaching about healing and they, I used to always hear, you know, through Bethel and other leaders that you and I, we have an open heaven, which I believe is very true. But I always pictured this open heaven. And we say open heaven because Jesus gave you and I access to the Father by one Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2 tells us that. And it's through the blood of Jesus that we can come near to God. And the Holy Spirit enables us to cry out to Father God. We are, in, we are able to speak and pray and talk to our great high priest, King Jesus, right? So there's a connection that the Holy Spirit gives us to the very throne room of God. So you could picture this open heaven over you, like everywhere I go, there's this, you know, kind of like on one of those games where you got like, anyway, that doesn't make sense to most of the people in the room except for kids. <laughs> Ethan's like, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Think of like a sim character, you know, they got like a thing floating over their head. Well, you and I have a thing floating over our head. You have a flame, just like the uh, disciples in the book of Acts received the fire of God, the flame of heaven resting upon every one of their heads. You and I have the presence of God resting on us and living inside of us. So recently someone said that you have an open heaven inside of you. Where is the kingdom of heaven? It's within us. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Paul said that the kingdom of heaven consists of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings the rule and the reign, the kingdom, the king's domain into us. So you have an open heaven inside of you. So whatever we need from heaven, we can pull it right into our, our location, our space where we are currently standing, and we can release it. We can release. You and I were made to be a pipeline, a vessel, a temple with gates that open up so that the king of glory can get out. He doesn't want to stay trapped inside of you and me like, like a genie in a bottle. He's not a genie, <laughs> although some have said he's like a blue genie. But anyway, we won't go there. <clears throat> He's, he's, not, he's not Santa Claus who's just come to give us, you know, whatever we want. He's God. Holy Spirit is God. He is Holy Spirit. But we carry him around and we carry access from the heavenly realm within us through our connection with the Holy Spirit. And we can release, just like Jesus said, out of those who believe in me, out of your innermost being, out of your belly, rivers of living water would flow. Okay, so now that I've bored you with some charts and diagrams, let's get into some scripture here. Jesus said, believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. So in case you needed the, the reference for that, Jesus said it, and he was referring to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit in you and me wants to be released. You and I have the ability to release his presence into the atmosphere, wherever we go. I don't know exactly how that happens, but I believe it happens with first becoming aware of his presence, aware of the reality that he's in you and wants to flow out. Oftentimes, when we're praying for somebody, we, we believe that our, our hand is like the connection 
from the Spirit of God in us to being released upon the person we're praying. Because Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's like within reach. And the Bible tells us to lay hands on people for healing. I'm going to read some Bill Johnson stuff. Does anybody in the room not like Bill Johnson? Or you just don't know who he is? <laughs> I got a joker over here. So here's some good Bill Johnson. This will go through a little quick because we're going to read some quotes from Bill because he's, he is an apostle of the presence of God. He has an internationally known healing ministry through his church and through the Bethel Church and movement called Bethel, but he actually is an apostolic leader in the body of Christ that has a gift on his life to bring people into an awareness of the presence of God. So there is no greater privilege than being a host to God himself. Neither is there a greater responsibility. Everything about him is extreme. He is overwhelmingly good, awe-inspiring to the max, and frighteningly wonderful in every possible way. He is powerful, yet gentle, both aggressive and subtle, and perfect while embracing us in the midst of our imperfection. Yet, few are aware of the assignment to host him. Fewer yet have said yes. And that's from his book, Hosting the Presence. So God delights in us and has always desired to be with us. We focus on his presence because we've discovered he's actually focused on us. I don't know if you've ever understood that, but the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says, search back and forth to and fro throughout the earth looking for those whose hearts are his, whose hearts are turned towards him. Your heart turned towards God is like a magnet drawing his attention. He's looking. The Bible says that his thoughts towards you and me, they outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. That's how focused he is on you and me. That's amazing. That is amazing. He does not abandon us. He does not go off into another universe somewhere and sand, they'll figure it out on their own. Maybe. Here's a little bit more. Valuing his presence goes beyond spending an hour in prayer each morning, as important as spending time in prayer is, or attending church on a Sunday, or even reading your Bible. Valuing the presence of God is akin to recognizing and responding to your spouse, your kids, your parents, or anyone else you encounter on a daily basis. Be kind of rude if, you know, I walked into the room on a Sunday and you're all here. And I didn't even look at any of you or talk to you. Just like, dude, like you're not even here. You know? How often do we do that with God? We don't give him the time of day, yet he is in us. He's living inside of our heart and our spirit, our innermost being. His presence is all around. He just wants, he, I believe he longs for you and I to commune with him, to spend time with him. And in knowing that, acknowledging that and becoming aware of that makes your Bible reading, your prayer life, and your corporate times of worship at church more alive when you recognize his presence. I'll continue on here. God is within you always. His presence is not limited to your times of worship and soaking and fellowship. 
He's not just listening to your heart in your times of prayer. And his response to you goes beyond those moments when you feel his nearness. I love to feel his nearness, but I know he doesn't just come and go only when I feel him and when I don't. Our relationship with him isn't static. It must grow and change like our relationships with any other person. Much like thinking of a loved one throughout the day, we have the opportunity to recognize his presence in each and every moment of life. We have an invitation, church. Consider the following excerpt from Bill Johnson's article, Beholding the Presence. The ongoing realization of the presence of the Lord, the awareness of God being in us and upon us and with us, is one of the most vital elements to the Christian life. Our confidence levels skyrocket when the presence of the Lord becomes manifested to us, right? Doesn't your confidence, your faith, your energy just go through the roof when you become aware of his presence, when he manifests his presence and touches you? Where did I stop? Skyrockets, yeah. The clearer the manifestation of his presence, the greater the dimension of faith. I know when I get totally soused in the presence of the Lord, when I get whacked really good by his electricity, I, my, my faith is just exploding. I'm ready to lay hands on anyone and I know someone's gonna get healed or touched. To live by the theory of his presence is wrong, okay? This is not, this is not Bible college, although learning and studying is important, right? But to live by just the theory alone of his presence is wrong. To say, well, I know he's always with me, it's not quite good enough. That truth must launch us into an experience or we're violating the truth. The truth is given as an invitation for divine encounter so that we would know by experience that God is upon us and God is with us. And he finishes by saying, I feel that David's experience, King David, experience as a sum, is a summons to the same privilege and responsibility to turn our awareness towards his presence. And in doing so, we invite the increase of that manifestation. All you gotta do is turn your awareness towards his presence and you can receive an increase of that manifestation. And I know from experience, the more I've practiced engaging and encountering his presence over the years has made it so much easier for me to step into it anywhere I go. I could get into the shower first thing in the morning, not even thinking about anything, and I can become aware. Uh, I'm not alone, you're here. I know that sounds weird. <laughs> Laugh if you want, it's okay. I can get into my postal vehicle, chaos going on around me, and then I can sense his presence and turn my attention towards him and hear him say, come up here, sit down where you're seated in Christ. And I can pull myself up and bring myself back into where I need to be. And I can feel his presence just like that. I'm not saying that it always happened that quick for me. It probably won't happen that quick for you, but I, I pray and I just declare that you and I are going to move into greater and increasing measures of experiencing and becoming more aware of his presence in you and around you and upon you. One note on this, him coming upon us. 
Jesus, when he walked the earth, is and was God in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. God became a human baby and walked among us. Right? We don't disagree on that. He's not just a man who had no God in him. He's not just a man who had, like us, who you know, just had a little Holy Spirit in him. He is actually God in the flesh. Virgin birth. That only happens by God becoming a human. But when Jesus walked the earth, the Bible tells us that he considered equality with God to not be something that he was going to walk in. Instead, he chose to become a servant, to walk on the earth as a man with limitations just like you and me. And he stepped into those waters of baptism when John the Baptist was like, I need to baptize you. I should be baptized. I mean, you, you should be baptizing me. But Jesus said, no, this has to be fulfilled. And when he was dunked in the water and brought up out of the water, the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit came and rested on Jesus in the form of a dove and remained. You and I, not only do we have the Spirit of God in us, but he wants to come upon you and me and remain. How do we do that? How do we walk this life without the dove flying off? Because Bill has said this, and I believe it. He is in every believer, but he is not upon every believer. He comes upon us for the sake of ministering to others. He is in you for your sake, to save you, to get you into heaven when you take your last breath. That's the only way you can go into heaven. The only way you can come to the Father is if the Holy Spirit has come into your innermost being. But he can rest upon you and me. So it's important for us, as we, as we become more aware of his presence, that we move through life with an awareness of the dove. We want to be aware of the one who is resting upon us. He's in us for our sake, but he is upon us. He comes upon you and me for the sake of others. So that when those who come by us walk by our shadow, what is overshadowing you and me is going to be manifested. We want our shadow to touch people. We want people to be able to come to us and encounter the presence of God when they're in our proximity. We want them to know that there's something different. There's something that you carry. There's something about the hope that you have inside of you. What is it? And we can know with confidence because we're, we're aware of the dove. We're aware of the presence resting on us. We can invite them to step into an encounter with God. I don't know how that might look like. You can have fun and experiment and go on adventures with God and all that. So purposefully cultivating a hunger for God's manifest presence is an openness to experiencing the Holy Spirit. I'm reading this totally wrong. Purposefully cultivating a hunger for God's manifest presence and an openness to experiencing the Holy Spirit deepens our friendship with God and our awareness that we carry his presence for the sake of the world. Just a little bit more, guys. We're going to get there. Here's a couple questions I want you to ask yourself. What does valuing God's presence look like for you? In what ways does he manifest his presence in your daily life? This could be different from all of, for all of us. Take a moment and allow him to show you how he is manifesting himself in your life 
when you least expect it. Just take a moment and reflect on these questions. John 14.10 says, Jesus said, don't, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. This is, this is amazing. This is Jesus, God who became flesh, telling us that he was in submission to the voice and what he saw the Father doing. The voice of the Father and what he saw in the Spirit the Father doing. Wendy kind of touched on that. She gave her opinion on what she thinks Jesus was doing in those times of prayer. We really don't know, but it's interesting to hear a perspective. So as a lifestyle, we practice recognizing God's presence while we minister to others. See, if you want to come up and get prayer at the end of this meeting tonight, I need to become aware of the presence of God in the room. I need to become aware of his presence inside of me. And I need to, to tune my heart and my, my ears, the ears of my heart, the eyes of my heart, into what he wants to do. And it's the same for you and me when you pray for other people as well. Even if you're receiving prayer, it's, it's healthy to tune your heart into the voice of God and what he's doing. Okay, a couple more. More reflection. What has been your greatest experience of God's presence in your life? I know some of you got some testimonies. In what areas of your life would you like to have an even greater experience of his presence? What in your life hinders you from engaging in a greater level of intimacy with God? Just, just take inventory. This is, we're not going to have you raise a hand and, and give you know, your personal stuff. That's, this is just between you and God, some questions that are healthy to ask. Lastly, what actions will you take to overcome these hindrances? Maybe it's getting up a little earlier. I don't know, it was a year or so ago, I started getting up earlier. I just set my alarm a half an hour earlier, and then I realized that's not enough. I can come here, spend time in his presence, but 30 minutes does not satisfy my whole, my, my whole, the hole in my heart. You know, I have a hole in my heart, and so do you, that's Jesus-shaped, and, and I need to fill it every day. I need to spend time with him, and 30 minutes for me, I thought would be a good start. It, it helped a little bit, but I need more. And now it's like, do I go work out for a half hour, which is not very much for trying to get some gains? Or do I come here and spend time, an hour and a half in his presence? And even an hour and a half in his presence just flies by so quick. I don't know what to tell you guys, but this is, this is my struggle. I, I hunger and thirst for God's presence. I love to be in his presence. I feel so alive, and I can walk out and, and be in his presence all day, but there's something about giving special, set-apart time just for him. Amen? <laughs> Amen. I don't know why I said it like that. Probably because you guys are so quiet. We're going to wrap it up with this. So scripture says, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the presence of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. 
it's not enough to have a theory that God is with us. We have to truly know and experience his manifest presence. In Exodus 33, 9, which we just read, we see Moses encountered the glory of God in a way that no man before him had. Moses came into the actual presence of God. But it's important to remember that we, that he wasn't even born again. That's a different covenant. We live in a greater, a better and greater covenant. If dwelling in the glory of God was available to him, how much more has the blood of Jesus made this available to us? Okay, this is called a cultural reinforcement. This is just something I, I would pray that you guys would consider taking home. I can't give you commands because, you know, we're not that type of church. We're not an authoritarian shepherding movement church where you have to do what I tell you. If you're going to obey God, you have to obey me. You know, there are, that, that was a whole movement. You can read up on it if you're curious. The shepherding movement, it got weird, as you can imagine. <clears throat> but here's something I'm going to encourage you guys to strongly encourage you to consider doing. I want to do this. Develop a plan. You got to choose. It's not going to happen spontaneously, right, honey? Right. We don't do it out of spontaneity. Some people are great with that, and life just happens. Others, it's like procrastination just kind of gets in the way. Yes, we're very good at spontaneously hanging out with people. But even that sometimes could take a plan, right? Especially if you live an hour away and you want to really get together with someone. Okay, so develop a plan. Choose to make a plan. Put it on your calendar. Get out your, your schedule. And implement at least 30 minutes a week. I'm, not, I'm telling you now, it's, you're going to find out it's not enough. But just try starting there. 30 minutes a week of personal soaking time. Now, some of you are like, oh, I, I can't do that. My brain just goes 100 miles an hour. That's why you need at least 30 minutes to, just to, to step into a time of soaking in the presence of God. You're not reading. You're not telling him your grocery list. You're not telling him. You're not praying to him. You're actually not going to just have a one-way conversation with him. Soaking is when you turn into receiver mode. You're like, God, you speak to me. And how does he speak? Many different ways. Through touch, through sensation, through pictures. Like tonight when I saw Jesus carrying the lamb on his shoulders. There's so many ways he speaks. A lot of us see pictures. A lot of us hear the actual audible voice. Not Maybe not a lot. Some of us might hear the audible voice. Some of us just hear scripture verses, which is where God started me on the journey of hearing his voice. I would hear a scripture come to mind, and then I'd open it up, and then I would pray it out. But practice soaking in his presence. If you need some good soaking music, that's what's been playing in the background the whole time. YouTube channel called Soaking in His Presence. Should be easy to remember that. So this, think outside the box. This can look however you want it to look. Chris Valentin says that the Lord, <laughs> so funny, the Lord always shows up when he's so, he takes a bath. He likes to soak in the tub. And that's where the Lord always shows up. <laughs> the last time, it was like a week ago, he said, the Lord always shows up when I take a bath. I don't know why. <laughs> it was just the funny, the way he said it, it was kind of like, like you always show when I'm in the tub. Talk about being vulnerable, right? You're not going to get up and walk away when God steps in the, 
into your bathroom when you're in a bubble bath or maybe he doesn't take bubble baths, I don't know. How do you, how do you, Ethan, how do you, Oscar, how do you personally encounter his presence? So allow some time each week to experience him in this way. I have learned to really enjoy being still and quiet before the Lord. I've received some downloads from the Lord, just resting in his presence with a blank, well, it's not a blank sheet of paper and a pen. It's actually a blank document on the computer and the keyboard in front of me. And I was able to craft this beautiful prophetic word for my cousin down in California's little baby that we dedicated. And it had Holy Spirit all over it. It wasn't from my heart. It was from me soaking in his presence and just listening what was on his heart. All of a sudden, scriptures came to mind and pictures of him as an adult, things that God showed me based on his meaning of his last name. It was intense. And then when the word was delivered to them, they received it with just such wonder in their faces. Like, like you could tell it wasn't like, oh, this is weird. No, they were like, this is God. They could tell God was on it. You and I can do this. As we spend time with him, hear his heart, journal, paint, whatever you want to do, get creative. All right. Lastly, we're going to stand up. We're going to make a declaration. I know this one a little longer. Thank God it started at just a few minutes after seven because we're just two minutes before eight. So you guys warm up your vocal cords. <clears throat> me, 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 me. Oh. No, you don't have to sing it. Okay, here we go. Just declare this with me and add, add your heart to it, okay? Just put your heart into it. Don't just speak words. Your mouth, your tongue is powerful. You can speak life and you can speak death with your tongue. Go ahead and just read James. Sometimes, James, you should be reading James because it's your book, man. The tongue is like a little rudder on a ship and it will steer the boat all over the place. A, a big boat. That little thing inside of your teeth there. Okay, so think about that. Now, get ready to, to declare some things. Here we go. I am often overwhelmed and transformed by God's presence. I love to soak in God's presence. Lovers make better workers. I am first a lover, then a worshiper. Oh, sorry. I added a word there. I am going to new levels in my intimacy with God. The ministry I lead is known for the manifest presence of the Lord. God's presence is released in everything I do. I will not go anywhere without God's presence. Like David, I am a man or a woman, if you're a woman, after God's own heart. Awesome. So Jesus, we thank you for your presence. God, I pray tonight that you would rest upon every person in this room with the reality, with the invitation that you have given us to come to know you more intimately. That we would step into your presence on an ongoing daily basis if we can. That it wouldn't be a discipline that if we don't do it would bring condemnation but that it would bring a desire, a hunger, 
that grows and grows and grows so that we would want to spend that time with you. God, we thank you for your, your intimacy that you see inside of our hearts. You know our thoughts. Before we even speak a word, you know it fully. God, we want to know you the way you know us. We want to know the things that are in your mind, the things that are in your heart. And we're asking and inviting Holy Spirit to come. And you would come and release your presence over us now and draw us into that deeper place so that we could hear your voice, so that we would encounter you, that we would hear your heart for others, that we could actually minister your presence, your healing, the prophetic, whatever it is that is the need at hand, that we would minister that out of your presence resting on us. So Jesus, we just say we love you and we thank you for the honor and the privilege of hosting you, that you would choose us to live inside of us for such a time as this. So we're going to say amen. And if you want prayer tonight, if you want just to be receiving an impartation of the presence of God to increase, to just blast a little, I don't even know how to describe it. If you just need a jump start, if you just need a top off, then I want you to come up into the front, just hang out up here. Some of us will get around you. It might get a little wild. You might get a little you know, intoxicated, but that's okay. We're all used to that. So I'm going to say amen and invite anyone who wants to come up for that to do that now. Thank you, Jesus.